Well, this morning I'm going to give you the secret. The secret to overcoming in a hostile work environment. And the secret is having the right attitude and having the right perspective. If you have the right attitude, you can rise above your current environment in any situation you find yourself in. If you don't have the right attitude, what's going to happen is you're going to sink to the level of those around you and you'll become part of the problem. Now, I know that last week was a complete shock to most of you. In fact, I realize that the majority of you probably dismissed everything that I taught. And for those of you who did, let me just say, you will never be an overcomer, ever. And you'll never become what God wants you to become. That's the code hard truth. And you can make all the excuses that you want, but the truth is you'll never rise above your situation and you'll never become what God wants you to be as long as you have the wrong attitude. Now, if you weren't here last week, what you need to do is you need to get the DVD. Or you need to go online and listen to the sermon and find out what the right attitude is. Because if you want to overcome, you must have the right attitude. Now, this morning, I'm going to shock you again. And it's not that I'm trying to do this. It's just that what I'm going to be teaching is so contrary to human nature that the majority of us, when we hear it, we go, ah, that can't be right. But I promise you, what I'm going to be teaching you is biblical. But what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to show you that God purposely puts us in adverse situations. He purposely puts us in a hostile work environment. But I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to explain why God does that. And hopefully it's going to change the way that you see things. It's going to change your perspective. So instead of griping and complaining about your work, you'll see the purpose of it and you'll meet the challenge. Now trust me, Having the right perspective is a vital part in overcoming in a hostile work environment. Now, why is that? Well, I'll tell you why. When a person has the wrong perspective, they end up fighting against God in his plans for their life. When a person has the right perspective, they actually work with God in his plans for their life. So think of it this way. Wrong perspective, I'm working against God. Right perspective, I'm working with God. But it all comes down to having the right perspective. So let me begin by explaining something that every Christian should know. In fact, if I was to take all of the brand new Christians here at Cornerstone Fellowship and begin a discipleship class, this is probably the very first thing that I would teach them. And this is it. Long before you were ever born, God had special plans for your life. So he created you with gifts, talents, and abilities to be able to accomplish those plans. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. It says, For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. Now I want you to underline the word masterpiece. It's translated from the Greek word poema and it literally means work of art. In fact, our English word poem is transliterated from this Greek word. But my point is this, we are God's work of art. Every one of us is a unique masterpiece. There's no one else in the world quite like you. And no matter what these science fiction, I don't know what you would call them, say, there is not an alternative uh, universe out there with someone that's exactly like you. No, 
You are a unique masterpiece, and you've been created in a specific way to do specific things. Now, I also, also want you to underline the phrase, long ago, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. That phrase is translated from the Greek word, proet oimedzo, and it literally means to prepare beforehand. In this specific context, it means that God has plans for us and he prepared those plans for us beforehand, before we were ever born. So this is what this verse is saying. He's saying that before we were ever born, before we were ever conceived, God knew you were going to be here. And he had special plans in mind for your life. And he created us with that in mind. He created us with unique gifts, talents, and abilities. A unique personality. And the reason he did that is because he wants you to accomplish those plans that he has for your life. Now there's always a but in there, right? So let me just give you the but. But just because you've got specific gifts, talents, and abilities doesn't mean that you're capable, qualified, or even mature enough to be able to do what God wants you to. In fact, before you can do what God wants you to do, your gifts, your talents, and your abilities must be developed. Your character must be refined. You need the right experiences to mature you so you can handle the position that God wants you to be in. Only then are you capable, qualified, and mature enough to do the, God, to do the job that God wants you to. Now, how do you suppose... God is going to develop your gifts, talents, and abilities. How is he going to refine your character? How is he going to give you the experience that you need to mature you? Ah, is the light bulb going off? If it is, you're thinking, oh crap, I can see where this is going. He's going to put you in certain environments, in specific situations, that will de develop your gifts, refine your character, and mature you. He's going to purposely put you in tough situations. He's going to purposely put you in hostile work environments in order to make you the man or the woman you need to be. Now David is a great example of this. We're going to use his life to show how God anointed him to be something, something great, yet he wasn't capable he wasn't qualified. He wasn't mature enough to do it. So what God did is he intervened and he put him in specific situations. He put him in certain environments to prepare him to be what he was anointed to be. So let's look at David. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to read verse number 1 and then we're going to read verses 6 through 12. It says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, You have mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. When Jesse's sons arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see the things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearances, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemiah. But Samuel said, neither is this the one that the Lord has chosen. And in the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, 
The Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, Are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse said, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. Now, does anyone know how old David was when he was anointed to be king? Anyone? Fourteen. Close. He was between the ages of ten to thirteen years old. Ten to 13 years old. At that age, David was not capable, he was not qualified, he was not mature enough to be king, but he was still anointed to be the king. Do you know what this tells me? It tells me that God anoints us to do certain things long before we're ever capable, qualified, or even mature enough to do them. People, it all goes back to Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 10. Before we're ever born, God has designed specific things for us to do. He has special plans for our life. He has things that he wants us to accomplish. And he's anointed you, he's anointed us to do those things long before we're ever capable, qualified, or even mature enough to do it. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. This is something that you should read every day. And here it is. God anoints people to do certain things in their life long before they're capable, qualified, or even mature enough to do them. Let me say that again. God anoints people to do certain things in their life long before they're capable, qualified, or even mature enough to do them. He anoints us as children. And we're going to see why in just a little bit. So, from this time on, what is God going to have to do? God is going to have to prepare David to be the king one day. So let's see how God prepared him, and then we can use that as an analogy. We can see how this applies to our life, and that God actually has to prepare us to do all these great things that he has planned for our life. Now, the very first job that David ever had was being a shepherd. His job was to take care of his father's flocks of sheep. And goats. Look back at verse number 11 in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down until he arrives. Now, the truth is, there really isn't much to do when you're a shepherd except to take your flock to good grazing ground with plenty of water and to protect the flock from predators. And that's about it. So if you're a shepherd, you have a lot of time to develop the two skills that you need the most. And what are those two skills? Well, number one, you need to use a slingshot to be able to run predators off. Because if a predator sees goats out there or sheep, he realizes this is easy prey and so he's coming. Your job as the shepherd is to protect the flock. So you need to develop your skill with a slingshot or, shot or some type of weapon. Also, you need to be able when storms come in to be able to comfort the flock. So they won't get scared and run off in the lightning and thunder. So what do you normally do? You learn how to comfort them with music. Kind of like the old cowboys used to do when the cattle were out there and they had them settled down. The cowboys would just ride around singing the songs. Well, back in David's day, they did something different. You would play the harp. And David had plenty of time to develop those two skills that he needed the most. Now, it's interesting because David actually had the job that no one wanted. 
That's why he had it, because he was the youngest. And it literally went down to the youngest person. But it was the very thing that David needed in order to open the right doors for him. You see, David used his time very wisely. He became very deadly with the slingshot. He became very skilled at playing the harp. So skilled that he got a reputation for being able to play the harp. So when Saul became agitated by his spirit sent from God, his counselors suggested that he find someone that could play the harp for him. Why? Because music calms the savage beast, right? Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. I'm going to read verses 16 through 17. Let us find a good musician to play the harp whenever the tormenting spirit troubles you. He will play soothing music and you will soon be well again. All right, Saul said, find me someone who plays well and bring him here. And of course, David's name came up. So how old do you think David was when he first went to Saul's palace in order to play for the king? Another guess? Someone said 14 in the beginning. 13 to 14 years old. At 13 to 14 years old, he was already talented enough to come before the king and to play in his palace. Now let me give you three very important principles. If you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. Number one, you develop your gifts, your talents, and your abilities when you're young. You start developing them as soon as you can. David started playing the harp and slinging stones from the time he was a toddler. So by the time he was 10 years old, it was his job to take care of the flock. It didn't matter what predators came. He was good enough with the slingshot. Daddy trusted him and said, I want you to take care of the sheep. I want you to take care of the goats, son. That is your job. That allowed him to get a head start on God's plan for his life. People, listen to me. The older you start, the longer it will take to get where God wants you to be. We need to instill that within our children. The older you start, the longer it will take for God to get you where you're supposed to be. So you get your education or your training when you're young. And if you do that, you're going to have a head start on God's plan with your life. Which brings me to principle number two. Write this down. Number two, your gifts, talents, and abilities are what's going to open doors for you. Let me say that again. Your gifts, talents, and abilities are what's going to open doors for you. Why in the world did David get the job of playing for King Saul at the ages of 13, maybe, or 14? It's because he was qualified, people. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 18. One of the servants said to Saul, One of Jesse's sons from Bethlehem is a talented harp player. Not only that, he is a brave warrior, a man of war, and he has good judgment. Now, what does he mean, a man of war? Actually, what that, is a phrase, what that phrase means, he's one of courage. His reputation of already slaying a bear and slaying a lion, it had gotten around, and they said he's a man of war. And it didn't mean that he's been a warrior yet. No, he was only between the ages of 13 to 14. But he already had a reputation of being a man of courage. And they looked at him and said, there is something different about this young man. Now... What's interesting about this, it says that he's a man of war and good judgment. He is also a fine-looking young man, and the Lord is with him. They notice that. Now, people listen to me. If David had not worked hard at developing his gifts, he would have missed his opportunity. The door would have been opened, but he wouldn't have been prepared. He would not have been willing to walk through it. Let me tell you something. In life, opportunities come. 
Sometimes they're rare. If we're not prepared that when the door of opportunity comes around, if we're not prepared to step through that door, it passes us on by. The great thing about David, he was a disciplined person. He worked on his skills. And when the door of opportunity came around, he was ready to walk through that door. Principle number three. Sometimes a promotion just means more responsibility without any more money. This is probably the most, princ- the most valuable principle that you can learn this morning. In fact, I'm going to say it again. It's so important. Sometimes a promotion just means more responsibility without any more money. Now, what normally happens when this occurs? When someone comes to you and says, you know, I'm going to move you to this job, and I'm going to give you this title, and the first thing you usually ask is, is there a pay raise? He says, well, there's not really a pay raise. Well, what do I have to do? And he starts telling you all the things you're going to have to do, and you realize this promotion just means more responsibility without any more pay. What normally occurs when that happens? Well, most people turn the promotion down. People, big mistake. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse number 15. This is something that most people have never read before or they just glossed over when they were studying the life of David. Notice what it says. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Hmm. Did you catch that? David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. You see, playing the harp for Saul was an honor, but it did not pay anything. And he still had to tend his father's sheep. So his big promotion just meant that he had more responsibility without any more pay. But had he turned it down? When the next door of opportunity came along, he wouldn't have been ready. Not only wouldn't he have been ready, but he wouldn't have been given his chance to move up the ladder. And I'll tell you why. When it came time to fight Goliath, Saul already knew who he was. Now, when you read that story, it gives the implication that Saul didn't know who David was. But really, that wasn't it. As you read and you begin to understand what Saul is saying, he's looking at him because he's going to fight Goliath between the ages of 15 to 17 years old. And here is a young boy that you've only known him to do two things. He's tended the flock, and he's played the harp. Yes, he's good with that slingshot. He's killed a bear. He's killed a lion. But you know what? He's still just 15 to 17 years old. He's never been trained with armor. He's never been in a battle. And now he's telling me he wants to go against Goliath. But the only reason that Saul got gave him the chance was because he was already aware of him he already knew who David was he'd seen his character he'd heard the stories he saw the way that he conducted his life and so David was given the opportunity when everyone else would have said no we're not going to send a 15 to 17 year old boy against a man like Goliath who is the champion of the Philistines who is battle hardened there's no way we're going to do it but I want you to understand that promotion that David took that promotion without pay helped him open or helped him walk through the door when it was opened now let me tell you why Drew Samson is in the position he is in today We were in the process of building this building. And we wanted to keep the people excited. We wanted to keep them motivated because we were renting 
the performing arts center over here, and we were having to move all of our equipment in and set up for services and move it all out again. And we did that every Sunday morning. We did that every Wednesday night, and our people were starting to get discouraged, and they'd look over here, and, you know, they're just starting the building, and we wanted to keep them excited. We wanted to keep them motivated. So I went to Drew, who was our youth pastor, and said, Drew, would you do me a favor? Would you... Start making some videos about the building, do things that will really excite the people. And Drew said, I'll do that. Now, people, that was on top of being the youth pastor. And then I'm going to go a little bit further. We knew in building this building that we were going to be able to seat about 1,100 people. We realized that those who sat in the back, and the majority of our people would sit in the back because they're Baptist. So we said, we're going to need IMAG. Now, does everyone know what IMAG is? IMAG stands for image magnification. That means that if you're sitting in the back, you can see a bigger version of me up on the screens. But the IMAG would also give us the ability to make DVDs. We could record the service, and then we could put them on DVDs, and we could uh, sell them. We could also put our services on TV. And so I went to a person on staff, and he was hired to do these type of things, and I said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do the research Find out all the equipment we need, the cabling that we need, how we're going to do all of this, and then start working on it, order it, get everything in. Well, we would have Thule meetings. Thule stands for tying up loose ends. So I'd have my staff come in, and I would say, where are we at on this? And I would come to this particular person, and I would say, where are we at on finding out how to do IMAG and researching this out and ordering the equipment that we need? And he would go, I'm still working on it, but I'm right on it. Pastor, don't worry about it. We got to the place in the building, the person came to me who was building and our contractor, and he said, if you don't get that wire in, you won't be able to get that wire in. You'll have to do it after we leave, and let me tell you, it's going to be a lot harder. And we're two weeks away from it, so I called this staff person in, and I said, okay, now you told me you'd been researching all of this, not to worry about it, you got everything ordered, right? And he said, Pastor, I don't know how to do it, I don't know what to do. He said, I've looked, but I don't, I don't know what we're going to do. I just sank inside but I went back to a person that I always piled more work on, Mr. Drew Sampson. I asked Drew to come in the office. I said, Drew, here's where we're at. We want to do IMAG. We need all of this equipment. We need to be able to know what we're going to do. We've got to order the cable. We've got to run the wiring. We've got to do everything. And we have to know tonight what we're going to do. You've got all day long. Go research it. He went. He researched it all out. The next morning, I said, you know what we need? He said, after one day, I think this is what we need. We ordered it, overnighted it. Drew and I worked weekends. We worked at night. We ran all the wire. We got all the things. The other person, he just kind of backed off, didn't even offer to help. Now, as we were putting all of this in, that's when I realized, this guy needs a real promotion. But, but, I would have never even considered him had he not taken other promotions beforehand that did not involve pay raises. You see, whenever I asked Drew to do something, and I would promote him, and let me tell you, when you're not going to give a pay raise and you promote someone, what do you always do? You give them a title. And so I would just add different titles to Drew Samson, and it was never a pay raise. But you know what Drew didn't do? He didn't go home and tell Sue, Pastor wants to give me more responsibility without any more pay. I'm not going to do that. If he wants to give me more responsibility, he's going to have to give me more pay. No, Drew never did that. We got in this building, and that's when I realized 
If we can't afford it, I'll take it away from me and Lisa. I gave him a promotion, and I gave him a big pay raise. But the reason he got all of that is because he was willing in the beginning to take a promotion with more responsibilities but no extra pay. You know something, people? My favorite verse in the Bible is this. People ruin their life by their own foolishness and then blame God for it. Some of you are stuck in places and you're crying out to God and you're a little bit bitter because God's not giving you a better job. But the problem is, anytime you're asked to do something that's not in your job description, whenever you're asked to do above and beyond what you have, you want to know, well, how much more money am I going to get? David was willing to go play the harp for Saul and then travel back home every day and feed the sheep. And the only thing he got for it was the honor of playing for King Saul. Wow. Now, if you go back and you study David's life, you'll find that each job that David had prepared him for the next rung on the ladder on his way to the top. And God did not allow him to move up on the ladder until he was ready. So I want you to think of each job in David's life as a rung on a ladder. And each job was meant to take him one step closer to what he was anointed to do since he was a child. Now, each job that he had presented unique situations and had specific difficulties associated with it. But God was using that to develop the different traits that he was going to need. He was using that to develop different aspects of his character. He was using those experiences to mature him in different areas of his life. So in a sense, each job was just a part of the curriculum that God was using to educate and train David to be king one day. Now, you all know that part of the edu education process is taking tests. If you pass the test, you get to move on. If you flunk the test, you're held back. And that's what happened to David. David had to climb the ladder to get to the top. And as I said, on each, uh, or I should say, each step of that ladder was a step closer to what he was anointed to do. But he could not progress to the next step on the ladder until he passed the test where he was at. Now, let me show you how this played out in David's life. David began as a shepherd. And as I've already told you, the job of a shepherd is to provide for and to protect the flock. And because David was a man after God's own heart, he was a man after God's own heart as a child. You know what he was doing when he was a shepherd. He's out there and he's 10 years old and it's his job to provide for these sheep and it's his job to protect the sheep. So he's praying to God and he's saying, God, Please provide divine protection over these sheep. God, protect them from predators. God, keep them safe. And Lord, also keep me safe. But you know what's interesting? Even though we know David was praying for this divine protection, God still sent predators. God allowed a bear and a lion to attack his flock. He still allowed adversity to come. Why? To prepare him for his next job. You see, God understood that if he couldn't stand up to a lion, if he couldn't stand up to a bear, there was no way he would ever be able to face Goliath. So God allowed him to build his confidence first by slaying rabbits with a slingshot. And then it moved up a little bit, the little foxes. And then it went to coyotes. And then it went to wolves. And one day a bear came along. And David looks at the slingshot, and he's pretty good at it. 
he puts up those big old rocks and you know it's kind of interesting we went to the valley and where David slew Goliath and we went to the to the the, the uh, uh, creek bed and where he picked up the rocks and our guide picked up a rock and he said now most of you think of a little bitty rocks and he pulled out a slingshot and he said this is the type of slingshot that you think of then he pulled out this leather slingshot it was nothing like we'd ever seen before and he said this is the type of slingshot David would have used and then he picked up a rock that's probably two and a half to three inches in diameter. I'm telling you, if you got hit with this rock, he'd kill you. And he said, these were the type of rocks that David was slinging. And so what took place is, that bear came, David had nothing but a slingshot, and he slew it. The lion comes, by this time he's probably progressed to a knife too, but he hits it with that, and now he's going to come and he's going to snatch the lamb out of its jaws, and he's going to slay it when he grabs its beard. Now, you need to understand something. David would never have been ready for Goliath had he not passed these tests. So after passing the test, David is promoted now. Now he's promoted to fighting Goliath. And when he passed that test, he was promoted to being one of Saul's generals at the age of between 15 to 17 years old unbelievable but he's already a hero there's already grown men that's able to come in and they want to serve underneath this man so he's now one of Saul's generals and when he begins to prove himself on the battleground he's then promoted to secretary of defense he's over all of the generals and just when it looks like he's on the fast track to success that everything that God's anointed him to be all of a sudden wham everything gets knocked out from underneath him Saul gets jealous of David and instead of promoting him he demotes him. Now let me give you a principle. If you're taking notes, you write this down. It's very important for every person who has to work for a living. Here it is. God will promote you when you're ready, even if men are working to kill your career. Let me say this again. God will promote you when you're ready, even if men are working to kill your career. People, Saul wanted to kill David. Why? Because he knew that David was anointed to be king and he knew that David one day would take his position and his children would not get to follow in his footsteps and be king. And he was threatened by that. So he was trying to stop David's promotion by killing him. But he could not stop God's plan for David's life. And David was finally promoted to king. Now, I'm going to share a scripture with you that you ought to have highlighted in your Bible. If you don't, write down this little scripture so when you go home, you can highlight this in your Bible. Here it is. For promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. But God is the judge. He puts down one and setteth up another. In other words, God is the judge of when you're ready to be promoted, and he is the one that will promote you. Listen to me. If your boss is out to get you, it really doesn't matter. If you'll do your job and you'll do it with the right attitude, God will promote you. He might have to move your boss out. He might have to let the boss fire you and you get another job. But God can and will promote you. And that's what Psalms is telling us. Now, believe it or not, Saul turning on David was all a part of God's plan. It was all part of the preparation process. His difficult relationship with Saul prepared him to be a godly king. It prepared him to be everything that a king needs to be. It prepared him to be meek and humble instead of arrogant proud and self-centered. It prepared him not to overreact whenever he was wronged. And it taught him not to abuse his power. I want you to turn to an interesting scripture. It's a little bit long, but I want to read it. 
This is when Absalom, his own son, rebelled against him. Now, what's interesting about this is David didn't get mad. He loved Absalom. He loved his people. He knew what God wanted. But it really broke his heart. And he reacted probably like no other man would react in this type of situation. But it was only because God had prepared him for it. Let me read this. This is in 2 Samuel chapter 16. I want to read verses 5 through 13. As King David came to Behurim, a man came out of the village cursing them. It was Shammai, son of Gera, from the same clan as Saul's family. So here's a person that can't stand David. Why? Because he was a clan of Saul's family, and now David's king, and his lineage is going to be king. So this guy started throwing stones at the king and the king's officers and all the mighty warriors who surrounded him. Get out of here, you murder, you scoundrel, he shouted at David. The Lord is paying you back for all the bloodshed in Saul's clan. Which David didn't do, by the way. You stole his throne, and now the Lord has given it to your son Absalom. At last you will taste some of your own medicine, for you are a murderer. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Abishai, son of Zariah, demanded. Let me go over and cut off his head. Now this is a warrior. No, the king said. Who asked your opinion? You sons of Zariah, if the Lord has told him to curse me, who are you to stop him? Then David said to Abishai and to all his servants, My own son is trying to kill me. Doesn't this relative of Saul have even more reason to do so? Leave him alone and let him curse, for the Lord has told him to do it. And perhaps the Lord will see that I am being wronged and will bless me because of these curses today. So David and his men continued down the road, and Shammai kept pace with them on a nearby hillside, cursing as he went and throwing stones at David and tossing dust into the air. Now, people listen to me. Only a man who'd been on the run for 14 years for his life, only a man who knew what it was like to be unfairly abused by a man in power could respond the way that David did in this situation, who could look at every situation and even if he was wrong, say, now, God, is there a lesson in this for me? God, what do you want me to do? I want to do it your way, but I promise you, if at the age of 21 years old he'd been exalted to king, he would have never been the king that God wanted him to be. God understood if he was going to be the king from which the Messiah would come, that he had to prepare him for that job. And at the ages of the age of between 10 and 13, he was anointed to be king. He was not capable. He was not qualified. He was not mature enough to do it. So what God did is he put him in tough situations. He put him in difficult environments. He put pressure upon this young man at every area of his life. But in every area of his life, he always had a right attitude. He always had the right perspective, and as a result of that, he always passed the test. So therefore, he climbed up the rungs on the ladder till he finally got to the top. And when he was ready to be king, God promoted him. Look at Psalms chapter 78, verses 70 through 72. He chose his servant David, calling him from the sheep pens. He took David from tending the ewes and lambs and made him the shepherd of Jacob's descendants, God's own people, Israel. He cared for them with the true heart, and he led them with skillful hands. Most of you will gloss over that last part, but you notice what it says. He cared for them with a true heart. That heart was prepared by the experiences that he had had and led them with skillful hands. 
He had the experience needed to develop his gifts, talents, and abilities. And he was the best king that Israel ever had. Now listen to me. God uses difficult situations and hostile work environments as a training ground to prepare us for our ultimate job. As difficult as it may be to accept, you are in your, pres your present position for a reason. He is using your current situation and your work environment to prepare you for the next step on the ladder. Now, if you'll learn what you're supposed to and you pass the test, God will move you on to the next step in your career. But if you don't pass the test, what happens in school when you don't pass the test? You're left behind. It's as simple as that. Most people get stuck at one place. And the reason they do is they won't work on their attitude. They won't have the right perspective. They won't develop their skills. And as a result, they never get promoted. And they're always looking at God like he's the reason. And God is saying, no, I've just got you in here in this place. And the test is for you to understand where you're deficient. You need to learn to develop the right attitude, the right perspective, and learn how to pass the test so that I can promote you in time. Listen to me. We don't get to do what we're anointed to do until we're properly prepared. And that's the way it works. Now, let me give you some advice. I know we're almost to the end, so I'm going to skip over some things. If you're in a hostile work environment, keep in mind that God has strategically placed you there. And you need to change your perspective on the situation from one of victimization to one of being chosen. You are not a victim in your environment. You've been chosen to be there. People, that is the right perspective. Keep the right attitude. Having the right attitude will allow you to say, this may be tough, but it's only temporary. My father is busy even now preparing a better position for me or even creating one for me if one does not exist. Therefore, I will not complain. I will check my attitude and I will be grateful for what I have so that I can be trusted in what I'm about to be given. Let me tell you, at the age of 20 years old, I got saved and God called me to preach. I ran from that till I was 23 years old. For three years, I rejected. At 23, I said, God, I'm ready to preach. And I thought God was going to pull me out of working for Southwestern Bell. And for two years, he didn't do it. And for the first year, at the age of 23 to 24, I was kind of upset with God. God, I told you I'm ready to preach. <sighs> didn't open any doors, didn't give me a piece about leaving, nothing. And one day I'm praying, saying, God, my heart is ready. And God said, I'm not going to move you on to preach until you learn how to overcome in your hostile work environment. I was working for that one horrible boss I told you about. The guy was horrible. And God said, until you learn to have a right attitude and a right perspective, I can't use you. And in one year's time, my attitudes completely changed. My perspective changed. I was able to be what God wanted me to be. And when I thought I would never get out of there, and it really didn't matter anymore because I was doing great things for God, that's when, out of the blue, I went to a church. A lady calls me up to the front, didn't know me from Adam, and she prophesied to me. And she said, you are no longer to be climbing telephone poles and putting in telephones. I've called you to preach the gospel. Come down off that pole. Now is the time. I went in resigned, 
and went into the ministry, had to go back to school and do all of those type of things that God wants. But I'm here to tell you, I would have still been working at Southwestern Bell if I wouldn't have had a great attitude and I wouldn't have had a great perspective on the things, the way that it's supposed to be. Some of you are stuck where you're at and the reason you're stuck is because of your stinking attitude and your wrong perspective. And if you don't correct that, you're going to stay there the rest of your life. Let's stand. Let's stone Pastor Allen. We can get a better preacher that won't do these type of sermons. Let me tell you, I'm only out here for your best. God has something great for you, but he's got to change your attitude. He can't use you with the type of attitude you have. So he's wanting you to change that attitude. And I promise when you change your attitude, you change your perspective, and you pass the test, God will promote you. It doesn't come from the north, the south, the east, or the west. Promotion comes from God. That's the way it works.